Hi, everyone. All right. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, shift into the spirit right now. All right. Everyone shifted? All right. Let me, let me get a sip of water, okay? I just ran here from the subway. In fact, I'm the one who needs to shift into the spirit right now because I'm like mad tired right now. <laughs> I need some sugar. So I asked Sarah I want to give me some sugar. But all right, I'm like about to pass out. You, you better pray that I don't pass out on the stage. But um, okay, I left Yangjae 610. I got here at 740. And that tells you how crazy the bus ride and then subway ride was. I almost died in there. But I made it. Got better have a good plan for tonight. And I do believe that. Uh, before I start, I want to tell you something uh, quick. Um, shift retreat, be there. Everybody, be there. Do, do not miss out on it. Just be there. If you have some plans, cancel it. Just be there. <laughs> right, shift it to the spirit, you got to be there. I really highly recommend every one of you to be there. And I'm losing my voice too. And then uh, also another thing that I want to tell you that um, tomorrow actually, Onnuri, uh, Yangtze campus, there's a conference that's going to go on, uh, and the night sessions are free. It's a called Ultimate Love Conference, and then they flew in um, Francis Chen. Does anybody know Francis Chen? So Francis Chen is going to be speaking, uh, so Wednesday night, uh, Thursday night, um, the night sessions are free. If it overlaps with Familia, go to Familia. Okay, you heard me, right? Go to Familia. If it doesn't overlap, um, go Go check out the conference. It's going to be a really great time. It's going to talk about love a lot, father a lot. So it's going to be a really great time. And it's free, so why not, you know? So Wednesday night, Thursday night, 7 p.m. If you need more um, information, come talk to me, okay? All right, so let me just jump into the war. Are you guys ready for this? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, woo. All right. Okay, I'm really dizzy. Oh, everyone pray for me for like three seconds. strength I was riding on the subway um, and then I was mad annoyed because I knew I was late and then I had to transfer from bus to subway so I was like in a really like bad mood trying to shift but I was on the subway standing like this very very cranky and then the girl right next to me started talking on the phone but you know one of those tablet like galaxy tabs like that's like ginormous, it's bigger than your face. And then she was talking on the phone, on the tablet, without the Bluetooth, without the earphones, right? She was talking like, like this, and then she would hear like this. And I don't know if it was on speakerphone or not, but I could hear the whole conversation going on. So some dude from this army service called her, and then apparently, so I was paying attention, right? So <laughs> I was curious. I was like mad annoyed, but at the same time, I wanted to check out what they were talking about. And then basically she's a good Christian girl. I was like, oh, all right. She's talking about God. And then later on, it was like super packed. Like the guy's armpit was like right here in front of my face. And then she was talking right here. And then it was like all over the place, right? And then I was like, all right, you, you better stop talking on the phone because I'm mad annoyed. I'm about to hit your face, right? But then um, she kept on talking and talking. And then in that crowded subway, she goes, hey, can I quickly pray for you? In Korean, obviously. Uh, 지금 기도해줘도 될까? And then she starts full on. 
praying for this brother <laughs> in army service. I mean, she was trying to be shrewd and then, like, you know, hiding whatever, but she was bold about it. She was like praying and praying, strength and wisdom, everything, discipline. She was like, praying and praying, and I was, I felt like almost she was praying for me. I don't know. It was that influence and then that the presence of God that she carried. This whole her boldness, she was not ashamed of her prayer or Jesus or God that she was talking about, you know. And I was just getting blessed. All of a sudden, the annoyance was turned into my blessing. I was like, amen. Like, amen. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So I received the prayer and then I finally made it here. So I have full strength. So we're going to look at Mark 12, 28 to 31. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn there together. Mm-hmm. Oh, you are. Oh, I see. Mark 12, verses 28 to 31. This passage talks about uh, the great commandment. So, Pharisees and Sadducees, I don't, I don't have to explain all that right now, but all these teachers of the law, they came to Jesus, and then they started asking, just to test Jesus, you know, they started asking these questions, and they were going to read a portion of it. So 28 to 31, let's take one verse each, so I'm going to start. So you guys are going to re- be reading 29, okay? One, two, three. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? And 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Amen. So Jesus basically summarized the Ten Commandments for you. Actually, if you break down the Ten Commandments, the first half of it is talking about how to love God. You know, you shall not have any idol. It's all talking about God. And then the latter half of it, it talks about how to love your neighbors. Do not covet your neighbor's wife. That's how to love your neighbor. You know what I'm saying? You know? Uh, so, so Jesus basically, with his wisdom, summarized the Ten Commandments for these teachers of the law. And Have you ever felt having this great commandment in your life as Christian, as you are living your daily life, have you ever felt that this commandment was a little overwhelming to you? With all, basically all that you have, your mind and heart and soul and strength and everything, with all that you are, love the Lord your God. Have you ever felt that it's a little challenging? Maybe more than a little bit. Have you ever felt like you are unable to love somebody the way you should? Then I better be loving my mom, but I just can't right now. You know, she's like yelling at me. I don't want to love her, you know? You know what I'm saying? You know how the way you should, the way you're supposed to love somebody. But have you ever felt that you're unable? You're just disabled. And have you ever felt guilty because you lacked love in certain circumstances? Yeah, I know all of you. I've been there. I've been there too, many times, even on the subway. And have you ever felt like, felt frustrated because you didn't know how to love somebody that you wanted to love so badly? You know, you're trying, but you just can't. It's so hard. 
So loving God with all that you are, all that you have, it's never meant to be easy. I'll tell you that. It's never easy, guys. For me, it's really difficult too. And anybody you ask, it's going to be really difficult. But if you... If you find it easy, I mean, loving God is not a big deal for me. I, I love the Lord with all that I have. If any, anyone tells you that, it's because that person doesn't understand what all means. You, you gotta teach that brother some English, okay? So, all, like, all, you know, all your mind, what does that even mean? Do you guys know what that means? With all your heart. Do you know the limits of your hearts? Only God knows. You know, do you even know the, the strength that you have? Maybe some of you can, some of you can, like, run marathon. And you might have more strength that's left. You know, what does it mean to love the Lord with everything? You know, none of us have that understanding. That's why you might think, oh, that's not a big deal. But it is difficult. Or regarding the second part of it, love your neighbor as yourself. If you think that that's easy, oh, you just look at your neighbor right now. (laughs) And you'll find out it's not easy. And it's because you just don't realize how much you love yourself. It's just because you don't realize how much you're consumed with yourself. How much you love yourself. You just don't realize that. And you, you know, we're just discovering self-love is so big. If you take care of someone the way you take care of yourself, oh man, you're going to change the world. I guarantee. <laughs> I guarantee you're going to change the whole world and then you're going to have more than enough. Anyways, if you are on the same page with me, feeling unable, I mean, I want to, but it's so hard. I just feel like I can't. If you're on the same page with me, let's turn to Ephesians 3, 17 to 19. That's going to be our main passage. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. We're going to be reading from, I think my version is NIV. Is it correct? Or is it, is mine ESV? Mine's NIV, right? Oh, I, I did it on purpose because I thought a lot of you guys would have NIV, but it doesn't matter. So Ephesians 3.17, we're going to start from the, um, the, the new, new sentence, so 17b part. Okay, let me begin. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, All right, it cuts a different part. All right, let me read it again all over, right? And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen. I want you to repeat after me. Rooted in love. Established in love. That's what I'm, uh, I'm going to talk about today. Um, I believe this passage is really key on our journey to leave out the great commitment, commandment. Commandment, right? And um, when we are not rooted or established in love of God ourselves, of course we're going to feel overwhelmed when we try to give out what we don't even have ourselves. You know, it's going to happen just naturally. And then if you 
If you try to love others when you are not, when your love tank is not filled with the love of God, I mean, of course you're going to feel like pressure, or you feel like you're squeezing out the little tiny bit that you have in your heart that, that is not even enough for yourself. You know what I'm saying? So it's so important to be rooted and established in love of God. So before, thank you. Can you open that for me? Okay, can you? <laughs> So we, before we try to love the Lord and our neighbors and everyone around us, we must be rooted in love of God first. This is like super duper basic message I know. But I do believe that God, you guys all need to hear this. You guys all need to hear this. And then what God's been doing in my life is he's taking me to, to the basics. Like basic places of God's love. Father's love, Jesus' love, what he did for me. And I do believe that everyone in this room is destined to hear this message tonight. I don't know when it's going to speak to you eventually, but I want you guys to take it to your heart. So before we try to love the Lord, love our neighbors, try, try our best to live out this great commitment, we must be rooted in the love of God. Simple. You must know that you are loved. It's just that simple. That's like the bottom line of my message. But we need to receive and experience the love of God. And let me tell you this. There's nothing greater than experiencing the love of God. Oh my gosh. It sounds so religious and genetic. But I say with all of my heart. There is nothing greater than experiencing the love of God. Oh my God. You're, you're, okay. Let me, let me say this. I just received this sentence from the Lord. Let me say this to you. You are not a project. But you're a child. Does anybody say amen to that? You are not a project, but you are a child. What I mean by that is that, um, you know, I love hearing God's people saying, God has a mighty plan for you. He has a purpose for you. And then he, he has great, amazing things coming to you. He has an amazing plan in your life. I love hearing those things. But I just really hope when, when God's people say that, they know what they're talking about. You know, of course, yes, future achievements, yes, the, the kingdom things that God's going to use you to, to, to accomplish, yes, of course, amazing influence that you are going to carry by Christ, and all that's really good. I say amen to that. Praise God that God's going to do that. But the core, the central, the, the foremost plan and purpose of God in your life is simply to love you, just to love you, just to adore you. Now, chew on that right now. He just wants to love you. That's the core of his plan for you. That's your number one purpose on this earth and for eternity. You, you, do you guys know the song? It just popped in my head. 당신은 사랑받기 위해 태어난 사람. All the Koreans, you, you got to sing along with me, all right? One, two, three. 당신은... 사랑받기 위해 태어난 사람 Our Judy Cho is a true Korean. She knows how to do this. It's like a blessing song in Korean, but it means that you are born to be loved. You are made to be loved. It's such a common song. If you attend any Korean church service, they're going to welcome all the newcomers with this song, doing this. 당신은 사랑받기 위해 You're going to hear it there a lot. But, you know, when you sing it to others, it's so easy. And of course, you are born to be loved. But then, when somebody sings it for you, a different story. Or when you try to sing it for yourself, 나는 사랑받기 위해 You know, when you try to like sing it to yourself, chewing on the lyrics, 
it's not easy. You know, you know that other people, they deserve love. They're born to be loved. They're made to love, to be loved, whatever. But then when you try to think of it in your life, sometimes it just doesn't make sense. Eh? Am I? Really? Is it really true? Let me tell you a story. I had a small group last Thursday with my small group girls. And then, um, so this one girl, she was praying for another girl in my small group. So she was, you know, praying her heart out. So I took out my iPhone. And then I recorded her prayer. And then, I mean, sneak, I sneaked it in, right? And then after her prayer was over, I played it back to the sister who prayed the prayer. And I said, I pray these prayers back to you, so receive it. And I played the play button. She couldn't finish listening to it. She could not believe that those words came out of her mouth. She could not believe that the prayer that she just prayed for someone else, she couldn't receive it for herself. God has a mighty plan for you. He, he loves you. You know, every good thing that she spoke in faith, when it was toward her, she was like, no way. I can't receive that for myself. And that tells you, you know, think about that. Think about that. Things, nice thing, things that you tell other sisters, you're beautiful. And when it comes to you, you know, am I? You know, you're, you're, you're gorgeous. And then when it comes when it comes to you yourself, who am I? You know, you're so lovable. And you go home, you feel like oh, I'm not so lovable. You know, all those things that you speak to other people when it's toward you, it's just just different. Do you guys feel that way sometimes? If you don't, praise God. <laughs> I just briefly want to share like recent testimony that I had in my life. happened about a month ago. I was at a joint prayer meeting that's actually coming up this Saturday, right? So if you have time, come out. It's an amazing time. So I was at a joint prayer meeting, and then somebody was talking about fear of parents. And um, a lot of you, you don't know me. You don't might know my background, but I have, um, I must say, I have amazing parents. They're not Christians. They don't know God. They don't know nothing to do with God, but they're amazing parents. They love me with amazing care and then uh, especially my dad spoiled me to the core all right so they really loved me and then i just uh, had this amazing family environment but then um at the joint prayer meeting god revealed something that i that was never revealed to my own eyes but it was always present in my heart so that was fear of my parents so they never really beat me down they never like hustled me or anything so they didn't do anything terrible to me but then i just realize at that moment it was just revelation from the lord i feared my parents all along all of my life the reason was it wasn't my fear of getting beaten up or anything but it was fear of disappointing them ever putting a shame on them you know how asian families are like sometimes you know a lot of korean parents you know they were not even controlling let me tell you this they never put ridiculous expectations on me never but I just had the fear of disappointing them. Can I tell you this? I was really a good girl. I was a really great student. I, um, you know, not to brag about it, but just to give you the fact, I always got, you know, all A report cards. You know what I'm saying? You know, I went to, you know, really, um, like, foreign language high school. It's a good school. I went to Yihua. It's a pretty good school in Korea. So all that. So I always provided something that my parents could boast about. You know what I'm saying? So I always had something like 
Of course they love me because I'm a good student. Of course they love me because I'm like this, I'm like that. Uh, I, I kind of had the mentality not knowing that I was doing that, you know. And then um, eventually when I realized that I had fear of disappointing my parents. So actually what happened was I graduated Yihua and then I uh, jumped into full-time ministry, so seminary, right? And then when I had to tell my parents about my decision to go to seminary, but my parents were expecting me to be an English teacher and meet a, an amazing husband and get married and all that. So when I had to tell my parents about, oh, mom, I'm not going to be an English teacher. I'm actually going to go to seminary and be the full-time minister, pastor, all that, you know, to a non-believing parents. It was tough. So when I had to tell my parents I did. It really just broke my heart. And not only that, it put such a huge shame on my shoulders. Like shame, guilt. I can't even explain, but I was extremely sad. I was filled with sorrow. I disappointed them. Now they cannot talk about me to, to, to their friends. Now they cannot boast about me in family gatherings, you know? It just put extreme sadness on me, right? I didn't even realize that. And then three years passed, and then now I had to tell them that I'm graduating, and then I'm going to, like planned three years ago, I'm going to go on and be the full-time pastor at my church. When I had to, like, tell them that, that fear just, like, it came to me again. Oh, man, I'm going to do the same thing again. Like, I just was filled with sorrow. Does anybody get me? Have you ever felt that way? Oh my gosh, it was like so hard for me. But then um, what God showed me that, uh, what God showed me was, he showed me this. My parents didn't have me um, because of my function. My parents had me because they wanted relationship. So basically they just wanted a daughter. And that was it. My parents never planned that okay, this daughter will make a lot of money and support us financially after 25 years. They never planned that. They never planned that this girl will get straight A's all their school life and then they're going to be our boasting all our lives. They never planned that. All they wanted was just a daughter to have a sweet relationship with. And when God revealed that to me in my heart, that shame and just that heaviness and sorrow just broke. And the matter of fact is I told them that. I told my parents that I'm going to be full-time minister. And they were actually ready for that. And then, you know, not like distinctly. They didn't like elaborate it the way I'm going to share. But basically, my mom said, we still love you the same way. We're still proud of you, you know. And it was a big revelation that I had to get. So I was born to just be loved, just to be adored, just to be just to be cared for. And all, all my parents just wanted was just that relationship with me. And it's not broken. I mean, it's never going to be broken, you know. And I know that they're not, they're not Christians, so I don't know where they got the idea. But I do know where they got the idea. They got it from God. God placed that love. God placed that desire uh, in, in their hearts. So I know what my parents did for me through this relationship with me. You know, just adoring me as a daughter, just being proud of me just because I am their daughter, they got that idea from the Father God. I just know that, you know. It's his heart. It's God's idea. It's never my parents, you know. So, you know, if you think about babies, it even makes more sense. You know, babies, I just recently thought about these little kids. And I was just amazed by their ability to receive love. 
you know, if you really think about like little kids, like infants, they do not even know how to reject love, right? They don't know how to reject love. They just, they just receive everything. Whatever people are giving them, they just receive. But then as they grow, becoming toddler, becoming a kindergartner, becoming an elementary school, and as they grow, you, you see that they learn how to reject love. All of them. There's not even an exception. They all learn how to reject love, how to reject care, how to reject compliments. They just learn how to reject love. I don't know where they get that from, right? I'm sure it's Satan, right? But then if you really pay attention to the little ones, they just receive and receive. I mean, everything that you give them, they're just going to soak it up, you know? And where do we, when do we lose that ability to receive love, you know? What happened to me, you know? I had no issue with that when I was young. When did that happen? Why am I rejecting all the compliments all of a sudden? Why am I doing this? Think about that. What happened along the way? You know? I will take you back to the beginning. So when God created Adam, Adam, it wasn't because he needed him. God never needed Adam. God, in fact, God never needed any of us. That's the truth. But God wanted Adam. He wanted, he desired to have the fellowship with him. And God didn't create Adam for his job, just for a loving relationship he did. And he was made to be loved. And then he had that. I mean, granted, Adam had a job. Does anybody know what his job was? He had a task to do. Naming the animals, good. <laughs> and then he was actually placed in Garden of Eden, and then his job was to take care of the garden as well. Yeah, 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 he did have a job. He, he, he did have a task, but check this out. You know, um, does anybody know about the personality plus? Choleric, sanguine, phlegmatic, and melancholy. These are four different personality types. So uh, many of us, majority of us, fall into two majors, okay? So I'm choleric, sanguine. I'm going to explain. Choleric meaning that I'm like a born leader. I'm like bossy. I love leading. I love ordering people around. I don't know. Anything good? Leadership? <laughs> yeah, right. Like strong-willed. Yeah. Yeah, I get things done. Work-oriented. That's one of it. And then I'm also my sec. Uh, actually, my number one is sanguine. Sanguines are like... Erin, like Sarah, Matthew Cole, majority of your, your, your staff. I'm like very sanguine, people-oriented. I love hanging out with people. I get energy from people. I love meeting new people. I love talking. You know, sanguines are just like that. So sanguine, main thing is relationship-oriented. They are people-oriented people. And then cholerics are what? They're work-oriented, right? Task-oriented people. But then I have both, right? So I always have this constant struggle, work or people. People or work. Work people. I got to get my assignments done, but I want to hang out with the people, right? And then I, I know all of you have the struggle in your mind. <laughs> I got to finish this paper, but then I want to go, you know, hang out, go to Norebang or something, you know? I always have this constant struggle with work and people, relationship and task, right? But then um, do you guys know that God, ha God is 100% fully functional and 100% fully relational at the same time? So God is the only being that does not have this struggle. And I'm really like, I was blown away by this, by the way. So the struggle to balance work and relationship, God does not have that. So God was 
fully functional but fully relational with Adam at the same time. So God is most productive God in the world and he is most relational God in the world at the same time. Right? So he doesn't waste a moment for his work to be done and his purpose to be done. He does not waste even a moment, but yet he's the most relational and loving God in the world. I mean, he's the only God. But at all times, he's relational and functional. You know? So, okay. So, us being relational with him, but at the same time, his work, his purpose, it's also getting done. When the work is getting done, our relationship with him is also being built up. You know what I'm saying? So Adam and God had that relationship, right? Fully relational, but also at the same time, the business was also going on, you know? Mankind is created to be loved. You can see by Adam's example. And John 3.16, you guys all know this. If you grew up in church or not, I somehow knew this, even, if, even though I didn't go to church. John 3.16, it says that God so loved the world... Right? It doesn't say God so needed the world. It says God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. It was not out of need or function, but it was because of love. He just wanted to love you. You are not a project. Sometimes in church, I know how you feel. A lot of people, they go to church, they get saved, and then the first thing they tell you to do is to serve to go on missions, to do this and do that. Stop smoking. Do this, do that. But when there is no love of God that you feel, you, you will want to just rebel, you know? And then um, I know uh, some of you go come to New Philly Church, but then um, uh, I was counseling a sister, and then she was saying, like, she feels like a project. And God, I feel like one of the many, many projects in God's church, maybe in God's sight. And she was saying, you know, I feel like just God is trying to get me healed and delivered and trained up so that I can do the kingdom work. And that's it. But then I, I told you, you just totally missed the point. He's not doing it because of the function. He's doing it because he loves you. You know? Your primary calling is to be loved. Before you even think about giving out love, sharing love, do, do, you, do you see that? Are you receiving love from him? Or are you blocking it out completely? You know? You are made to be loved, brothers and sisters. And then you must be rooted and established in the love of God. I said this earlier, but there is truly nothing that is greater than love of God. And um, nobody has ever found out in the history of human being how deep it is, how wide it is, you know, how high it is. I'm missing one. How long it is. Thank you. No one has ever found out. And for us to think that I know love of God, he loves me. You're right. That's not enough, guys. And there is so much more. There is so much more. There is so much more for each and every one of you. I um, was going through some difficult time, uh, honestly. And I was kind of like, kind of like complaining to God. God, why are you you making me speak in front of all these like young people? Like when I'm having such a difficult time connecting with you. God, I just feel so distant from you. And I don't know what I'm doing right now. And like, why are you, why are you doing that? Like I was kind of just blaming him. And I was just complaining to him. And this is what he told me. 
He said that, um, you know, when Jesus, um, when He died on the cross, yes, He took our sin, He took our infirmities, He took everything that came from Satan, right? But then uh, one thing that He really highlighted to me was, you know, I took distance. Uh, when Jesus died on the cross, I took away distance between you and me. So, a lot of us, we think that we are holding on to God. That our hands are gripping His hands. And we are trying not to let Him go. We're trying so hard to hold on to Him. We're trying to maintain this relationship, holding on to Him. But then the truth of the matter is, He is holding our hands like this. It's not your grip that is strong enough to re- maintain this relationship. It is His grip on your hand. He's holding your hand. The Bible says He holds your right hand. So distance, guys. If you think about it, ever since the fall, there was this huge gap and distance that was created between us and God. And then God could not possibly come to us because we are sinful and He was holy. It's just not possible for those two to be together. So He couldn't come to us. And He suffered the distance quote-unquote, the gap between us for thousands of years, millions of years. He's the one who suffered the distance on behalf of us. Do you think you wanted God? You loved God first? No, the Bible says you didn't. God loved you first. He wanted you first. And He's the one who could not stand and bear the distance between us and Him. That He's the one who took away the distance between us, right? So He, if you imagine, like, if you, if you could imagine with me what He had to pay for to get rid of the distance, it was the life of His very dear Son. And if you pay that much for something, are you going to give up on it? Taking away the distance, He purchased the intimacy. So that's why He's able to hold our hands. That's why He's able to give us hugs. That's why He's able to be near us all the time. And do you think God's going to, after paying all that crazy amount, killing His own son, do you think God's going to let you go? You know? I I think God is smarter than that. You know? God is. He's not going to let you go. He's not letting, letting your hand go. He's not letting any distance between you and Him. He's not going to allow that. He completely disallowed distance. So that you will always have intimacy with Him. So all I'm sharing to you right now is that um, at this moment, you are intimate with Him. If you feel it or not, it doesn't matter. He is mad close to you, all, all up in your face. Just close your eyes and feel that. He's all over you. Feel His hand. Feel His presence. Feel His breath. He's all over you guys. There cannot be any distance allowed because God's not going to allow it. No matter how, you, how distant you feel like, man, God is so far away. He's on His throne. He's, he's about to judge me. No, that's a lie. He's so close to you. And because He paid so much for that intimacy, He's not going to let you go. There is no way. So if you are feeling very distant from Him, I just want to tell you this. He's all up in your face right now. He's like looking at you. He's making eye contact with you. You cannot get away from His presence. It's just not possible. I want us to just close with this. 
my prayer tonight is so simple uh, that you will be rooted and established in the love of God. More than giving, but the first thing just to receive. Stop rejecting His love. Open up your heart. Let Him in. Receive His love. Um, you know, God, uh, I'll just finish with this. God said that um, His great command is to love Him with everything, basically, right? Do you know why God can be so demanding like that? Isn't He mad demanding? He's like, love me with everything that you have, with all your mind and soul and everything. He is so demanding. I'll be honest, he's mad demanding to us. But the reason why he could be that demanding, it's because he did the same thing to you first. Because he gave it to you, he can ask for that. You know, he's saying that, guys, if you could just close your eyes with me.